This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 2. Hello, and welcome, one more time, to Season 2 of The Dark Paranormal. Yes, it's the season finale of Season 2, and we're going to conclude the story of Borley Rectory. But first, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's listened throughout season two. The only reason the show continues is, quite obviously, because people are listening. When I decided how season two was going to go, in terms of a dramatised reading of some of the more famous paranormal cases, I was slightly apprehensive, for two reasons really. Number one, I'd never done any form of creative writing before. And two, in terms of the style of the podcast, it was a big departure from my other podcast, We Need to Talk About Ghosts. In addition, I was also very aware I was going to be looking at cases many people, including myself, know all about. But I did know that within those stories, there was still the chance to shine them up and get the scare factor back in those tales. And if I'm to believe the emails that you guys are sending in, then it appears that on some level we've achieved that. So a big thank you for getting in touch and vindicating the decision to take this path with Season 2. Season 3, as we've said many times, will of course return to listener ghost stories. And to remind you, that means you need to send them in. You have a four-week opportunity to do that, because The Dark Paranormal, as is standard between seasons, is going on a four-week break. In that time, you can write down and send your stories in to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com and I will give them The Dark Paranormal treatment. If four weeks is too long for you to go without your Dark Paranormal fix, I'm happy to say that for our Patreons... I will be releasing weekly episodes during that downtime. On those episodes, we'll be putting the dark paranormal spin on some of the stories from my other podcast's first book, Listener Stories, Volume 1. I've mentioned before on earlier shows how Patreon really is the lifeblood of an independent podcast such as this. 
And when you sign up to our Patreon, not only will I thank you personally on the show, hello Louise Waggett, by the way, our new Patreon, but you will also get access to those extra episodes during the downtime. In addition, when Season 3 starts, you will also get each episode at least two days earlier than the standard feed. So, if like Louise Waggett, you want to become a Patreon and help support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. That's patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And I'll look forward to giving you some extra episodes over the next four weeks. And in case I didn't make it clear, a big thank you and hello to our newest Patreon, Louise Waggett. And so, for the final time this season, turn the lights low, leave your disbelief at the door, and join me as we conclude the haunting of Borley Rectory. One day, Mabel produced a letter to Guy as he headed into town. Post this. It's a letter to the Daily Mail, asking them to put us in contact with the Society for Psychical Research. Guy reluctantly took the letter. He didn't want this. People coming into his home to peek and snoop. But then again, he didn't want to live here if the activity continued. After receiving the letter, and believing it would give the story more credence in their newspaper, the Mirror acquiesced to the initial request and got in contact with the SPR on behalf of the Smiths. This act led to the arrival of arguably the most famous and polarising investigator in English paranormal history. On the 12th of June, 1929, Reverend Guy Smith answered the door to a man in a long overcoat, trilby hat, and holding a small leather briefcase. Reverend Smith, I take it? said the man. That's right, replied a defensive Smith. Pleasure to meet you, the man said, tipping his hat. My name is Harry Price. I don't like him. There's something sneaky about him, whispered Mabel to her husband in the kitchen. They'd sat in the living room and both went out to make a pot of tea, and of course, have a small meeting about their new arrival. You're the one who wanted him here, Mabel, said Guy in a whispering shout, causing a stern glare from Mabel which put Guy back in his place. Guy, in truth, agreed with Mabel's synopsis of their visitor. There was something showman about how he held himself. Every sentence, every gesture seemingly methodically timed for maximum effect. Mr. Smith, called Price from the living room. Yes, Mr. Price? Tell me, do you have youngsters upstairs, right now? Guy looked confused. Um, no, Mr. Price, there are no children here. Interesting. Would you kindly escort me upstairs? Nodding in agreement, Reverend Smith led Harry Price up the ornate staircase to the main landing area. Smith cleared his throat. <clears throat> you will find... Shh! demanded Harry Price, placing his finger to his lips while staring into the floor as if to enhance his hearing. Can you hear it? Silence. 
No, sir, whispered Smith. It's like... Price closed his eyes tight, as if to squeeze out the right description. It's like light steps, careful steps, taken in a long robe of sorts. A kind of swooshing, if you will. At first I thought it a child, but... He closed his eyes tight again. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. The bells rang from down the hall. Price flicked his eyes open and gave a startled look to the reverend, gesturing in silence with his hand towards the now faint tinkling. That happens quite often, whispered Smith. And where is the calling pull for that bell? asked Price. Well, that's just it, Mr Price. We unhooked all the bells a few weeks ago. At this, Price beamed. He beamed an almost victorious smile. Marvellous, he said, clapping his hands together. The following day, Guy and Mabel Smith had business in town, leaving Harry Price and his newly arrived assistant with the full run of the house. Guy watched as they eagerly ran about, tying cotton between doorways. Snapped cotton tells when a human trouble causes about, Price had explained, and covering tabletops with flour, setting camera tripods all about the larger rooms. On their early evening return, they were greeted by an effervescent Price, all smiles and shaking of hands. I have wonderful news, just wonderful news. This very afternoon, myself and my assistant were setting up a camera in the dining room when we both felt a presence over our shoulders. On turning about, what should we see but a glass candelabra hovering directly in between us? Price shot his eyes from Guy to Mabel and back again, waiting for them to join in his merriment, something that was not forthcoming. Mabel glanced to see the shattered remains of her favourite candelabra resting in a dustpan on the side table. What happened? she asked, pointing to the shards. Well, this is the best part, said Price. It threw itself against the wall, exploding into a thousand tiny pieces. My assistant had to pick fragments out of my hair. It was all terribly exciting. For the Smiths, however, who just hoped to regain some normality in their lives, none of this was exciting. For all his showmanship, however, on occasion, Price would settle down into a much more studious researcher. And on those occasions, the Smiths would find themselves much more amenable to his imposition on their lives. One such occasion, he and his assistant noted in date order every single experience and sighting the Smiths had individually or collectively encountered. He showed a great deal of empathy whilst he delivered speeches on the different types of spirits and what types of entity, in his opinion, were haunting the rectory at Borley. Over time, the Smiths began to understand the character of Price and would give him some leeway for his experiments. However, Mabel soon began to think they may have given too much leeway. The main issue was Mabel and Guy wanted to get rid of whatever paranormal entity had been terrorising their lives. And so, when Price, in a much more serious tone than usual, stated he had not only witnessed the ghostly nun, 
but had also started communicating with her via knocking sounds. The smith started to wonder if the acts of price were keeping the spirits in Borley. All that said, they were also keen to learn more about their supernatural tenants. One evening, at exactly 7pm, as requested by Price, the Smiths joined him and his assistant at the dining room table. A white cloth had been placed over the table. Candles had been lit, curtains drawn. The Reverend was very uncomfortable. His faith did not allow with any communication with the dead. However, his curiosity kept him from leaving in protest, and instead he just wore a scowl as he reluctantly took his seat. Let's join hands, said Price, matter-of-factly, like this was the most normal activity in the world. Spirits, he began. Spirits? We gather this evening for your wisdom, for your guidance. We mortals in this room wish to connect with you. Pray let us engage with you this hour. Silence followed. Price and his assistant had their eyes closed. Guy and Mabel, however, were looking directly at each other with mutual disapproval. Price coughed. Mabel and Guy looked over to see Price mime closing his eyes which they understood and both followed suit spirits he began again knock it was from the wall Guy eyes wide looked over to where the sound was coming from just underneath a mirror which hung from a ceiling joist ah spirits welcome announced Price a smile in his voice. Knock, knock. Guy couldn't believe it. Almost in response to Price's words, he could see the mirror lifting and falling flat against the wall, causing the knocking sound. Tell us, are you the spirit of the lost nun we've all seen around the grounds? Again, the mirror lifted. Guy squeezed his wife's hand to get her attention. She opened her eyes and Guy motioned towards the mirror. Are you lost, sister? asked Price in a faux, concerned tone. Silence. But this silence was different. It was like fear and anger had dropped straight into the atmosphere. Even Price and his assistant opened their eyes, such was the static charge that now filled the room. They glanced around at each other. The showmanship in Price's voice now replaced by something much closer to panic. As he said, Are are you in the room? Smash! A large vase in the corner threw itself back against the nearest wall. Only a few centimetres, but with enough force to obliterate itself. Lights, quickly, quickly! shouted Price and the lights were quickly turned on, illuminating the four panicked adults who were now breathing heavily. Well, that went quite well, I feel, muttered Price, scrambling to save face. 
Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The next few weeks, tensions frayed between the Smiths and Price, and something had to give. That something was Price, who, having drawn quite a bit of attention to both the lives of the Smith and Borley itself, jumped before he was pushed, and left unceremoniously one stormy evening. The Smiths now had new problems. They now had to deal with tutting neighbours, shaming them for bringing the village of Borley into disrespect and dragging it through the tabloid press with nonsense. The Smiths would say it was the fault of Price. He was exaggerating the experiences to sell newspapers, they would say, sometimes going as far as to say certain events were completely made up by Price. However, to add to this ridicule, they also had to return home each night to face the now angry spirits, which had been provoked with Price's experiments. Having both their home and social lives torn apart by the haunting in one way or another, the Smiths eventually waved a white flag, and they moved out of Borley Rectory less than a year after moving in. The now infamous Borley Rectory had a hard time acquiring its next tenant, taking over a year until Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister, the first cousin of the previous tenant, Henry Bull, and his wife Marianne moved into the infamous home with their adopted daughter, Adelaide, just before Halloween in October 1930. Almost as an awful moving in gift, the activity started up right away. Adelaide would be poked in the back of the head, as if by a disapproving teacher, only to find no one there when she spun around. 
Sometimes, whilst reading in his study of a night, Lionel would hear a tap on the window. Once. Twice. He would head over to investigate, only to see a crack form in the window in front of his own eyes. On more than one occasion, this led to the window shattering entirely, without any human interaction. Adelaide again would be pushed backwards into closets. The key would turn in the lock, leaving her trapped and screaming until her father Lionel would force the door open. After a full year of ever-escalating activity, things reached such a point, the Reverend decided a house blessing would put these restless spirits to bed once and for all. And so, one evening, after Marianne and Adelaide had retired to bed, he walked through the house with a candle and some holy water. Moving from room to room, all felt peaceful, and the blessing appeared to be effective, until what felt like the personification of anger fell from the ceiling and filled the room. Lionel paused, sensing the charged atmosphere. He felt surrounded, as if an antagonising presence was eye to eye with him, inches away from his face. Little did he know, upstairs at the same moment, Marianne was being pinned down in her bed. Unseen hands covering her mouth, muting her screams, as the side of the mattress began rolling across her shoulder, reaching her chin, then moving across her face to replace the unseen hands, and a slow but consistent increase in pressure smothered the air from her chest. Just as darkness began to creep into her vision, she was grabbed by the ankles and thrown across the room. On hearing a sudden thud, Lionel burst into the room, holy water still in hand. Marianne was at this point on her knees, shaking. Lionel fell to his wife's aid, rocking her as he held her. They both slowly fell silent as they could hear the sound of scratching from the wall nearest to Lionel. Lionel slowly turned his head, and there, written on the wall, were the words, Marianne, please help get. These ghostly writings will continue throughout their stay at Borley. Marianne, light, mass, prayers. Almost as if whatever was haunting the residence was itself being tormented and was communicating with Marianne for help. Perhaps extra validity was given to this idea when Lionel attempted a full exorcism of the house. It started with a pebble, a tiny stone landing at the feet of the Reverend Foister as he began his prayers. On moving to the second room, larger stones, now hitting him squarely in the back, began to be thrown at him. By room three, a small boulder cracked off his shoulder, each stone getting bigger, each materialising out of nowhere. Realising the escalating danger, Foister ceased the religious rite. Eventually, as Marianne's torment increased and all efforts to stop it failed, Lionel's health 
began to suffer. And in 1935, the rectory had claimed its next family. As largely to save themselves, the Foister family decided to vacate the property. For almost two years, the Church of England's property company, known as Queen Anne's Bounty, struggled to find a tenant for Borley Rectory, until finally, and reluctantly, accepting a year-long lease from its first non-clergy tenant, a one Mr Harry Price. In his time away, Price had realised that certain things which took place at the house were beyond explanation. And it would be no small fortune if evidence of the paranormal was finally captured and delivered to the world, courtesy of Mr Harry Price. And so, Price placed an ad in the Times newspaper on the 25th of May, 1937, to recruit a small army of what he would call official observers, who would live with Price in the rectory on a rotational basis. Their sole requirement was to document paranormal activity as and when they encountered it. One of those observers, an alleged medium named Helen Ganville, quickly became one of Price's favourite workers. She could not only document activity, but due to her apparent powers, could hold conversations with the supposed entities in the rectory. Such was her impression on Price, he asked her to perform a seance for the group. This she done, and one exceptionally stormy evening made contact with a nun. This nun, she said, was French, and had arrived at Borley after falling for a male she'd encountered. This nun, however, was strangled to death by the man who had become her husband, and left to rot in the cellar of the rectory, seemingly centuries after the monastery had stood. The nun, according to Helen, was the one asking for help from Marianne in the wall writings. The one, it appeared, was tormented, even in the afterlife. The first séance was such a success, Price demanded she carried out a second. And so, a few months later, as the snow flurried outside, the curtains were once again drawn, the candles once again lit, and once more the wind picked up outside. The séance began. Again, similar to the last, the spirits were asked to join. However, unlike the last one, one of the candles blew out, and no one was near it, bringing a few anxious smiles around the room, except on the face of Helen. Another candle blew out, then another, then another, until there remained only one. No faces held a smile now. And then, all at once, as if falling from the ceiling and filling up the room, came the personification of anger. It was thick, like static. Wide-eyed, Helen began talking to the new arrival. The spirit, now thick in the room, began to speak through Helen. 
It was a male. In a commanding voice, it said, My name is Sunex Amures. Questions followed by the documenting audience, but none of them were answered. Then he spoke again. I will burn this rectory to the ground in 1938. Gasps filled the room. Eventually, he continued. And in its ashes you will find a murdered soul. There then followed a loud bang. The room shook and the final candle was blown out. Running into the room, one of the observers who had not taken part in the seance drew everyone's attention to the snow outside. Everyone headed to the window and looking out, witnessed inhuman footprints in the snow, heading away from the room the seance had been held. Price's occupancy expired and, packed with enough information to fill two books, he vacated the property. The next resident of the rectory would be its last as Captain W.H. Gregson, whilst moving things around, dropped an oil lamp onto some material, causing a fire which would gut the rectory, making it a burnt shell, just a few months after the prophecy of Sunex to destroy the home. Deciding to pay the rectory another visit, Price headed down into the dilapidated cellar, Brushing the ashes around with his foot, he nudged something. It was a bone, and it uncovered more bones. The rectory was finally demolished in 1944, but this didn't stop people from reporting paranormal phenomena. Ghost lights were still reported. Music would be heard emanating from nowhere. Electrical items would refuse to work in the area. And of course there remained sightings of a ghostly nun walking the grounds. Today, there is no trace of the rectory, and villagers still keep an eye out for any potential paranormal researchers, only too aware of the old saying, if you look into the darkness, don't be surprised when it looks back at you. But what stands up under scrutiny when we look at Borley? Well, as this is the last episode of season two, I don't want to focus too much on that. We could look deeper into Harry Price, the claims of fraud which have been levelled against him, or the alleged human bones he found in the cellar, turning out to be pig bones. Or we could talk about the not-too-often-mentioned lodger, Frank Peerless, who stayed with Marianne and Lionel, and whom Marion had an affair with, and went on record to say she used some, not all, but some of the paranormal stories to deflect from her affair. We could, and people have, picked apart Borley with a fine tooth comb, but I've decided not to on this final episode, and I'll tell you why. If not for Borley Rectory, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now. For many paranormal fans of a certain age in the UK, Borley Rectory is the story which draws them into the paranormal. 
a fascination that gets you at an early age and stays with you for life, continually fascinating you, telling you there's more to life than reality TV, politics, pandemics. And so, for this episode only, if you want to see the counter-arguments in detail, I'm just going to say, look online. And I suggest you do so for balance. But as we draw the curtain on season two, I do so with a thank you to the old friend, which is the story of Borley Rectory. And may it continue to terrify and intrigue for generations to come. And with that, we draw a close to season two of The Dark Paranormal. It's been an absolute pleasure recording these episodes for you. It's been a lot of hard work, I'll be perfectly honest. But I've enjoyed revisiting some of these timeless stories. Don't forget, next season, it's time for your timeless stories. When we look at listener stories for season three. You can send those stories in to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. And of course, if you're a Patreon, I'll speak to you next week for more real listener stories. Again, you can sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. If you're not a Patreon, I'll speak to you for the debut episode of season three at the beginning of June. Until then, remember, maybe keep a check on your disbelief and always keep one eye out for the dark paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.